0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at Frito This is the Holly Podcast, the official podcast of Atlanta Falcons on the SpNation Podcast Network. This is David Walker, you can call me DW, and today I am joined by a cacophony of alcoholic writers. Uh, First up is uh, my co-pilot during the season for the post-game podcast, the one and only Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
1: Good. Um, Next to him, next in line on my alphabetical list is... Uh, actually, I guess, technically yeah, that's Adnan. not, yeah, it's, it's actually <laughs> bouncing back and forth. The zoom list of participants is going up and down and it's confusing me. Um, and I'm also drinking, so that's not helping. Um, I'm going to go next to my basketball buddy. We were just talking about the fact that we were able to see the last Hawks game before the shutdown. Uh, we were able to see Vince Carter's last game in the NBA. Uh, I am talking about the one and only Adnan Ikech. Adnan, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing very well, DW, and I don't know how much tequila you've had, but E does not come before A in the <laughs> alphabet. I've, uh, yeah,
1: uh, no comment. Um, last and certainly not least, he is a multi-time champion on the Falcoholic Crossfire podcast. Uh, he is uh, the one and only Eric Robinson. Eric, how are you doing?
0: I- I'm doing well. Did you say cacophony? C-
1: Cacophony, yes.
0: Cacophony, wow, that is um, that is a new word for today. <laughs> okay. Thank you, for moving that up.
1: I, I have used the quarantine to expand my lexicon. So,
2: so plethora is overplayed now. It, oh, you it guys, is okay. That is, you guys, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> All right. that
1: is very pre-pandemic. Thank you. Um, oh,
0: okay, now I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> it was enough, and you guys just you know,
1: we're we're ramping it up. So this is the first podcast back from a a break. Uh, Obviously the NFL season has been on their normal break and uh, it's starting back up. I guess you could say this is sort of a very interesting off season and start of the 2020 season because right now, uh, you know, we normally at this point in time, uh, Gina Myself, occasionally, we'll, we'll actually go up to Flowery Branch, watch practices, report on what we saw, talk about the players, and of course, that is not happening um, because of the current pandemic with you know, COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, uh, and that is what we're going to start with podcast. I know everyone just loves this topic, but unfortunately, it is. It's, it's a cloud over this 2020 season, and whether or not... This season is going to happen. So let's start there. Um, Adnan, I'm going to I'm going to actually go alphabetical this time, um, not tequila alphabetical. I'm going to go real before alphabetical. E.
0: That's right, A before E.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to ask you first: Do you think the NFL will have a season in 2020? Why or why not?
3: Uh, I think at the very least they'll have part of a season. Uh, before 2020 because there's just way too much money on the line and I don't think the NFL has done a great job given all of the time that they've had. Uh, they, uh, They saw this virus hit in March which is pretty much an ideal time for the NFL which was months away from the season and it looks like they didn't really like put anything into place until like the players association, the players came out and they said themselves like, we're not going to play unless until there's some like testing done until there's more precautions put into place. And then that kind of forced their hand, but yeah, there's too much money on the line. I think that the NFL will, will force its way through this uh, through thick and thin. And unless there's something really catastrophic that happens, I don't see the season coming to a halt this year.
1: Do so you think they'll push through it one way or the other?
3: I mean, no, knowing the NFL's track record, money is very important to them. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, I can't argue with that. Eric, I'm going to go to you next on this one. Uh, yeah. Do you think the season's going to happen and why or why not?
0: All right, guys. I just arrived here like 30 minutes ago from the year 2019. Fill me in on what happened. What have I missed so far in 2020? Like,
1: oh, man, you don't want to know. You should.
0: <laughs> You don't want to know. No, no nothing I mean, special. Nothing know, special. Usable. I mean, I, I mean, anything. Right.
2: Got to start from the top. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So I I'm gonna piggyback on that real quick. I, I do think that they're gonna push through the season. Um. I think foolishly. Goodell tried to call the players bluff a little bit, um, and push came to shove, and you know the NFLPA finally came down with an agreement. You know they finally agreed on terms as far as medical protocols and things of that nature, opting out uh, ability and things of that nature. So I think at this point, you know, there's so much money on the line, um, and yeah, they're going to push through it one way or the other. I don't think. I think at this point, you know, based on the numbers that the league has accumulated up to this point, as far as players testing and getting put on COVID list, I don't think it's really been as bad as we thought it would be. You know, there's been a few players here and there. uh, I think it was, I think it equaled roughly about like 60 players maybe that were, that somehow ended up on the quarantine COVID-19 list at this point. And... Maybe I'm wrong, guys, but I think the majority of those guys, 40, 50 of those guys are pretty much off the list and back with the teams at this point, right? I mean, it's, it's been pretty trimmed down, including a few of those guys that were on the list that had false positives. So, oh, yeah. Like Matthew Stafford. Like Matthew Stafford, exactly. So okay. I think at this point, being that they were pretty late in the game when it came to putting the game plan together, I think it is going pretty, pretty well so far, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, and it's early, but yes, early. I would agree. And I expected I expected a few guys to, you know, to test positive. I expected a few guys to say, all right, you know what? I'm bound out for 2020. I expected all that. But again, for the most part, by this point, I mean the guys that opted out, there really were there were no huge headline stars. There were no Patrick Mahomes. There was no Lamar Jackson's. There were no Brady's, nothing like that. You know, it was a few notable names, but Outside of that, you know, it really hasn't impacted the league that much as, as we all assume it would have been by this point, knock on wood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Evan, uh, your take. Do you think uh, the season's going to happen? Uh, if not, why not? And if so, how do you think it's going to look?
2: Yeah, I mean, like they were both saying, it's it's the NFL. They've got so much money invested like they're pretty much going to give it their all and making this whole thing happen. It's going to take you know major lockdowns on or crackdowns, I guess, on having players go out and about and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, so far it's been okay. I mean, as they mentioned, there's been a couple names here and there. I think Stafford was the biggest one, but it was it came back false. Um, I mean, you look at the Falcons specifically; they've had a couple guys, but they've come back and. Uh, currently, it's Chris Cooper, who just recently um, went on the uh, COVID list. And um, Keith Smith is on there and Jamal Carter. And, I mean, they – I mean, I, we don't know, like, what their personal situation is, whether they actually have it or they're just being quarantined for it because um, the NFL doesn't allow teams to release that information or whatever.
0: So that that right there in itself is weird to me. Like, I don't
2: get it, is, it is a little weird because um, – I don't know. It's just like if they have a broken ankle, you're fine to say it. But
0: we're going to say a a (laughs) player's protocol. But we're. I mean, don't they don't they say the flu and stuff? I thought. But we're not going to release whether he has a concussion or not.
2: Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. But um, they hopefully they'll you know be back soon. If you follow like Keith Smith on um, Instagram, he's he posts stuff all the time and. He looks like he's probably asymptomatic where he might have tested positive and just not really had any symptoms because, I mean, he looks like he's fine. Um, But hopefully they'll be back, you know, and then some roster moves will have to be made and whatnot. But that's just something we're going to have to get used to during the season because people will test positive and stuff. Um, It's just like that's bound to happen. Mm -hmm. It's just how, how how are we protecting the players that didn't opt out um, and I mean, the NFL's kind of put some rules in place with the whole expanding practice squad thing. Um, the Falcons chose the 80 man, man route instead of splitting in, uh, to f- two 45 man groups, um, which I think overall is going to benefit the team because then you'd have rookies away from, you know, like you wouldn't have Matt Ryan and Terrell on the same field or Terrell, actually a better example, Terrell wouldn't be able to cover Julio because they'd be on two different sides of camp yep. and stuff like that. Um, so they chose the 80 man route. So, I mean, there there is stuff in place to help, I guess they've d- they're doing all the safety precautions and um, I'm sure it's been mentioned, but uh, cause I know we were talking about it before the show, but Falcons were one of the three teams that didn't have a player um, opt out. And I believe it's the chargers and Steelers, with the other ones. So The players obviously feel some sort of safety because I know Todd Gurley was kind of flirting with the idea or mentioned it because it kind of got people's ears going up. Um, But he's there wearing masks on the field and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously the Falcons are doing a pretty good job of it because if they were really nervous about how the Falcons' facility is, um, I mean, you would have seen at least one player in the locker room opt out. I mean,
0: yeah. Can I can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I we we've seen leading up to the season, you know, a, a lot of analysts say that you know the most disciplined team throughout all of this is going to be, is likely going to be the one standing tall at the end of the season. Yeah, I think this what we've seen from the Falcons so far is a great sign going mm-hmm. forward because. Like Evan said, yeah, you did have the big-name guys like Gurley that kind of flirted with it, but overall, they all came together as a team and said, you guys, you know what? We have something here. Even with coronavirus going on, we have a team here, and we can push forward with it. And seeing guys like Matt Ryan still practice, seeing guys like Julio still out there, uh, Ridley, Gurley, seeing, you know uh, Mm – Seeing guys like Dante Fowler, who's who's new to the team, and he's out there pushing forward, and even Tack getting a little motivated to try to get better this year. To me, that is a great sign going forward because it it shows they are united as a team. And, and and in in these type of circumstances, when you don't have the split locker room, like this that this is where a team can prevail.
1: Yep, that's a great point. Like
0: having having five or 10 players are like, man, I don't know if I want to play like that. To me, that can throw team chemistry way off, especially when you don't. Yeah. The Patriots lost like a bunch of them. Exactly. Now the Patriots are probably going to bounce back from that, but Mm -hmm. that, that can on the wrong team, you know, that can really divide a locker room down the middle. And you're talking about the NFL is going to die straight into week one. So a team is going to have to truly be focused and ready to hit the track, you know, ready to hit the ground running in week one. And I think what the Falcons have shown so far is, is a pretty positive time.
3: And, and beyond that, just adding to what Eric said, uh, the team has to be disciplined in regard to uh, staying true to the to the quarantine, uh, you know, not being reckless about yeah. where they go, not going out without new masks. I mean, we saw in the NBA here in Atlanta, you know, itself – Lou Williams wanted to go get some wings down over at Magic City, and he ended up having to get quarantined for a couple Mm -hmm. weeks in the the bubble. And almost like he risked the danger of like being kicked out of the NBA season like completely. So, you know, just the fact that we haven't seen that many like even cases like up until now from the start um, of when uh, the team started to report it tells me that the players have been very disciplined uh, in regard to their social distancing in regard to wearing their masks. And, you know, that's, that's another key thing that that's going to be very important over these next few months.
2: Yeah. I think what is also going to be interesting is right now and correct me if I'm wrong. So the Falcons players are all basically locked down in the facility because they have those apartments that are nearby, like walking distance nearby. Um, oh, they're right, I next, I the yeah, right yeah. next to the apartments Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're all staying there, but correct me if I'm wrong. So when the season actually begins, do they go back to their homes? Because yes. then that's where, okay. So that's where you're really going to see maybe a change in that October area where they've had a couple weeks back home, you know, because yeah. right now they're all basically bub. you know, as everybody likes to point out, NBA's having a good, job with the bubble situation they're basically bubbled in flowery branch yeah but once that bu- yeah. yeah so once that bubble opens and they're all free to return back to their homes that's where you might unfortunately might see you know some more cases I, I think that would be the time to you know to not you
0: know lose focus i mean the season started at that point
2: oh definitely i'm just saying they're more exposed from um, what if your aunt comes over your cousin or something yeah, you know.
1: generally they, the the guys no longer stay at Flowery Branch once the I think they get into the middle of the preseason and obviously mm-hmm. we don't have one this year so I'm not sure what the logistics are going to look like. Um, but yeah, Evan, to your point, um, you know they are and the Falcons are. I don't know how unique they are because they have they have a yearly dedicated facility for training whereas a lot of teams will go off-site, but they'll go to like a college campus and right? There. right. Um, and in many ways, you know, Arthur Blank being a very generous owner and creating the Flowery Branch compound, if you will, is, is in many ways benefiting the Falcons in this really weird season, uh, to your point. Um, I, the only thing I'm going to add to what you guys said about the season uh, before we go to the next question uh, is I, I feel like the NFL is going to benefit from the fact that science has had six, seven months to really learn more about this virus, mm-hmm. to learn you know more about how it attacks our system, to learn more about what treatments are working, right. so that um, by the time the NFL season starts, you know which we're talking about under uh, normal normal circumstances is mid September. Mm-hmm. By the time that comes around, I think there's a very realistic possibility you're going to see. Uh, something break scientifically that says, "Oh, we and we're already beginning to see that we're seeing, um, you know, the use of certain steroids where they they can measure the inflammation level in patients to determine when to give it to them and really really drive down the mortality rate, right. uh, which is encouraging news. Uh, we're seeing the use of things like interferons, which can actually uh, stave off any of the severe infections, and these things are beginning to all hit right now." So that by the time the NFL season starts, Evan, to your point, when they when they get their freedom, quote unquote, there may very well be a much better treatment for this virus. There may be, um, you know, an an, uh, an antibody treatment, not not a vaccine. We know that's probably going to come end of this year or into next year, but something that's going to make this a far less deadly virus and it's going to make the NFL season more doable. So compared to you know Major League Baseball, and we'll get to that in a second. In the NBA, I feel like the, N- the NFL has benefited from the fact that their delay has given science enough time to begin to turn the corner on some of these things they're finding to treat this virus. And I think that, for me, that's where I think the NFL is actually going to have a season. It's not because of anything they've done, because you guys have all pointed out they've not done a particularly good job of planning. But I think science, in some ways, is going to save them uh, in in the same ways, saving our society. It's a bigger conversation. <laughs> We're going to avoid that, um, but I, I do think that time is going to be enough. Where something's going to hit, it's going to make uh, treatments better. It's going to make you know hospitalizations shorter. It, it's it's going to get to the point where we'll get a season, maybe with some disruptions. But you got to think as the season goes on, even if there's a disruption or two we're going into the point where we get into November, December, there very well could be a vaccine that gets released. And uh, and then you're starting to really turn the corner. And I, I feel like, like you guys said, the money motivation, the profit motivation uh, is going to keep all of those players on the field one way or another. I think we'll see a full season
0: with some quirks and some weirdness mixed in. I hope these guys are also paying attention to MLB and, NBA and NHL for that matter for for various reasons you know let's hope they're looking at MLB and saying all right we see what can happen when you go off the rails when you just do whatever you want to when you disregard what's going on it can delay a season possibly cancel an entire season let's also hope that they look at the NBA and NHL and say hey guys look how competitive these teams look when they're focused, when they're yep. there, they're just focused on the task at hand. They're not really worrying about coronavirus, but at the same time, they're also just doing their thing. Because, I mean, these guys, these NBA guys, you know, for the NBA, I mean, the playoffs are going to start pretty much next week. So, and you're seeing a lot of competitive play. So let's, let's just hope that these guys are looking at that and saying, hey, man, we need to stay focused. We need to stay on track and we can get things done just like, you know, just like the Bucks are in, in the NBA, just like the Raptors are, how good these teams look when they're focused and on the same page and, and clicking.
1: I love it, oh. Eric. You, you literally dove into my next question, which – and, Adnan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, represent this question to you. It's a gift. Uh, it's a gift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you and I are on the same wavelength, buddy. Um, Adnan, what can and should the NFL be doing differently, and what can they learn from the NBA – from Major League Baseball, from hockey, uh, and are those applicable? I mean, is that are there things that they can learn that they can apply? Uh, what's your view on the other leagues and, and what they can take away from that?
3: I was just going to say um, before we dive into it, we were joking on the live show that the NFL is just so powerful and they have so much money that – uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL just already had already had the cure. Just yeah. without telling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just went into one of the science labs. They put down a sack of money and they said, give us the vaccine. Yeah, without exactly. telling anyone.
0: They're going to win it on opening night, the, the, the cheese ring ceremony. No, oh,
3: no, yeah. no, no. They, they won't even present it to anyone. It's just no players will have COVID at all. Just like nobody will have COVID this season. It's like,
0: man, they're so lucky.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how what happened with these guys. They're just so – they're so lucky. Come on, come yeah.
3: But, but to answer your question, um, I think you can definitely take a big page out of the MLB's book just because of how – the MLB is the closest thing to what the NFL is going to do in regard to every single team playing in their own cities. Um, travel is still going to be a definite thing. The MLB has uh, – they've taken more precautions than the NFL because the NFL isn't changing their schedule at all. The MLB, while shortening the season, they may travel more local where two divisions only play amongst each other. So, for example, the NL East where the Braves play, they're only playing teams on the East Coast, um, the AL East against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays uh, and those teams. Uh, But you can definitely see that it's worked out in the MLB. If you take those precautions, the way that we were talking about earlier, and if you don't, you see, um, you see a precautionary tale with the Miami Marlins, for example, right. where yep. the season pretty much almost got canceled. I yep. think the MLB had a call on Monday uh, after that announcement on Thursday or fr- Friday, where they were where they had to decide if they wanted the season to continue or not. And you know, the season did continue, but the difference is in baseball you kind of can take those like um you, you can kind of can take a little bit of time off and then still get away with it just because you have all of those double headers where you can make up all of those games and sure while the nfl plays games um only once a week if you have a vast majority of players that just like get covid or have the disease and it spreads through it's a lot more difficult because then how are you going to make those games up if something happens where you have to, like, you can't, like, play through it? Um, I I don't know if it's as applicable with the uh – it is with the uh, NBA and the NHL in regard to seeing how focused they are, as Eric mentioned it. But I think that's more apples to oranges just because they those leagues successfully created those bubbles. Like, the bubble in Orlando right. is – Pretty much I think right now it may be the safest place in all of America. <laughs> just because literally nothing like COVID cannot penetrate the bubble at all. Every single person gets tested every single day. Like I've seen some of the like technology that the NBA has incorporated or I've read about it and it's it's pretty like it's pretty amazing just how the NBA has gotten completely ahead of this and just what a great job Adam Silver, the commissioner of that league, has done. Yeah but the MLB gives us a case where gives us an example where the the NFL can definitely the season can definitely take place and it can definitely take place successfully and this is now in summer before those scientific advances that you were talking about DW where every single major scientist epidemiologist in the world is working on this and I'm sure a breakthrough is just a matter of when and not if and I'm yeah. sure it's going to happen in in this calendar year
1: Yeah yeah, and I think that's uh, just dead on. <laughs> I agree with you, man. Um, Evan, you're, what do you think the NFL should take away from the other leagues that have restarted? And do you think that uh, do you think that those lessons are uh, going to be the the thing that keeps the NFL going? So, as an example, you know, we know that bars. Uh, are a particular hot spot for really rapidly spreading the virus. Do you think the NFL is going to keep an eye on that and say, "Hey, guys, you know what? A bunch of, telling a bunch of twenty-year-olds with money stay away from the bars," which yeah. may or may not work. But do you think that that is going to, you know, seeing the Marlins sort of struggle with that and potentially, you know, as Adam mentioned, potentially even almost canceling the season? do you think that is actually going to serve the NFL well? And do you think that that will influence their policies as the season progresses?
2: I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge because like we were talking about, once they're kind of out on their own and not stuck at, you know, on campus sort of thing at the facility, um, you pretty much, because I know right now the NFL has been kind of trying to pump them with uh, precautions and knowledge on the whole thing. And you pretty much just have to hope these players have enough common sense to not take risks. Like, they're obviously going to be around people. I mean, you can't can't expect for all these guys to just be literally out and they're just locked in their house. Like, that's best case scenario. Somebody's going to eventually get some dinner somewhere or something like that. And it's just unfortunately, you know, part of what being free is sort of thing. And you got to hope they have the personal responsibility to go – you know oh I'm not doing that I'm not doing that sort of thing um in my opinion i I mean I just I don't see how they won't become exposed in some fashion when they aren't at flowery branch full time um, if best case would be for uh if I was running the show so to speak, if like say the Falcons travel to New Orleans. um and I don't – obviously, I'm speaking as somebody who's not owning an NFL team or anything like that. But if I had unlimited money, I'd be like, okay, whatever hotel they're staying at, that needs to be locked down. They don't need to have yeah. one floor yeah. to themselves. Like, lock down the whole hotel, in my opinion. Because any little thing – like, any – I mean, you're getting air vents. and You know, it's like it's not worth the risk, in my opinion. But I'm also – not a scientist who completely understands how this virus works and stuff like that, but you want to just limit exposure, like necessary exposure. Um, you know, but it's, it's, that's what makes this whole thing so difficult because like you said, our minds could be changed in a couple months. If there are, there is some good news in, in regards to like some sort of vaccine or whatever. Um, but for right now, it's just like, who, who the hell knows <laughs> cuz <Because>, i mean <laughs> baseball was excited to be back and then the whole marlins thing just went upside down all it takes is one team to be knuckleheaded and screw it up and you know hey, one player i mean yeah, not even yeah, a one, team. Player. one player right yeah. right right and, and you know it, i don't know i'm just trying to be as optimi- optimistic as possible with this whole thing but it's so beyond my understanding um all i know is i hope they they listen and learn from the material. They've been pumped, you know, during the first week or whatever of training camp um, for personal responsibility, and that's kind of all you can do because you can't track these – like, you cannot uh, put cameras on these players 24-7. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough because it's, it's – there's a lot more people, you know. The NBA, as we were talking before the show, to their credit, has done a phenomenal job but there's so many more players than in the NFL and they're not all in one location. They're all literally around the country and they've got to travel all around the country during the season and stay at hotels and, you know, that's more exposure. So it's just going to be hard.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to throw in an anecdotal story here because I think it will jive with what is a concern with the NFL. And it's, you know, to be fair, when I was in my 20s, I also similarly felt that I was immortal and that there was nothing that would hurt me. So this is not unique to NFL players, and maybe it's more amplified by the fact that they're elite athletes and have made it to the highest level of performance. But uh, my my oldest son uh, last week had a really high fever, and um, he came into uh, the living room, told me about it, and... Uh, proceeded to tell me that it was not COVID with with absolute certainty in his voice. And uh, I I looked at him and said, you you simply just can't know that until you get tested. Um, And that fever persisted. He got tested. Thankfully, he ended up testing negative, um, which was a relief. Um, But it it highlighted for me the fact that young people, because he's 19, my oldest son is 19, um, it highlighted for me that young people, you know, in that, in that age bracket, you know, let's say up to 25, 30 years old, there is a sense of it won't happen to me or I'm too healthy or whatever that is. And, you know, like we said, it, if one player gets it, it, it could become a wildfire. And that's what I think that they don't understand. Maybe the Marlins situation will wake them up to the fact that if I go to a bar, it could cost me my entire season and potentially impact my pay, impact the co- you know, the, the entire league. Hopefully, all of the guys in the league will um, understand that. That remains to be seen. Again, I still, I, I, I still think we're going to get some sort of treatment or something in the meantime that's going to mitigate some of this. But regardless, there's still a level of personal uh, accountability that is going to come into play. And, you know, Eric, as you said, I think in in many ways, the Falcons with the leadership that they have, um, especially, you know, it's funny, but for all the grief that we give Dan Quinn for the past couple seasons, I think one of the things he actually does really well is his communication with the players and his ability to connect with the players that could end up being critical in making sure the Falcons avoid a mass, breakout of this virus in the locker room and you know Eric to your point at towards the very beginning of the podcast that could be the differentiator in this season it could be the thing that turns you know the Falcons from uh an eight and eight team to a ten and six team making the playoffs because they have more discipline across Mm -hmm. the entire roster than other teams that they're competing against
0: absolutely yeah I mean and and just to to add in you know if I don't, I don't want to feel like a, like a warden or dictator when I say this, but I feel like Goodell in the league should really go to some extent and debbie out some punishments to players if they're being pretty negligent like the MLB players were. Like, I mean, these guys were to, – to piggyback off Adnan's point earlier – the travel is somewhat similar, but the difference is when you know in baseball, of course, when you travel out of city, you're there for roughly a week or so because you're playing three, four games maybe. Compared to what I've heard, NFL might do travel maybe the you know maybe like the day before play the game and then hop on a plane right after the game, so they're not worried about staying at a particular location for five or six days or so. Yep. So. But to see the MLB players literally still see what's going on. I mean, they're playing the games where there's no damn fans in the stands, and yet they're still saying, you know what? I'm going out to a bar tonight. Screw this. Like, it it really is right? – that that's pure negligence in my yep. opinion. That's a player that doesn't give a damn about what's going on, doesn't give a damn about his team, doesn't give a damn about the team that he's playing, doesn't give a damn about the MLB itself. Like, it's just – you have to be, you have to have a different focus in a situation like this, man. Like, you're multi-millionaires. You can afford to not go to a strip club for six months, okay? It's fine, guys. It's, it's fine. Trust me. I, I don't go as often as you guys do. It's not that bad. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm okay. All right? You guys can afford to say, all right, you know what? I'm not going to see some breasts for six months as the season goes on. That's just, I, I'm good. It's okay, fellas. Like it's,
2: we're um, talking about the chicken breasts, right? From, yeah, 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 yeah. The family friendly podcast. Remember the wings? Magic that... Uh, See, <laughs> the
0: chicken, <laughs> chicken breast from Magic City. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the thighs gotcha. too.
3: <laughs> the, the breasts, the thighs, uh-huh. all that. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Exactly. It. Yeah, it's uh, the the ones Lou Williams got in trouble for.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, like it's just you. They, you have to show some discipline in a situation like this. And if the league doesn't do it, I'm hoping that team owners will at least take it upon themselves and say, hey, you willingly went out to a club last night, knowing we have a game the next day, and now you tested positive. We're going to find you. You're not playing today. Like, let's, let's hope that some, some owners, you know, crack down on them a little bit when it comes to that.
1: Yeah. And-
0: or maybe
2: suspensions. You think that Maybe, would scare him? I don't know. It's, Anything to get the point across.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I think Eric's right, and I think that I, I do think that's a distinct possibility. Uh, the one last thing I want to add is, you know, for those who aren't paying attention, um, a lot have mon- a lot of money has been thrown at um, this project within the U.S. Senate to speed up the development of quick, cheap testing, and. Uh, th- there's reason to believe that these quick, cheap tests are going to be available this fall, which again is going to coincide with you know the NFL season. And I think that's going to be a, a turning point where, Eric, to your point, if you've got a player that goes out to uh, a bar or a club or something of that sort, if you have a test like that, you sit that player down and you make him test every single day before he can walk into the facility. And if he tests positive, you can isolate him and, and prevent the spread through the locker
0: room. I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah. And I think that's I think that's legitimately a realistic possibility that could happen. I'm um, so again, I'm gonna lean back on the fact that I think science is going to help the NFL, whether they deserve it or not. Yep. Um, and you can apply that, uh, that mindset to society as a whole. Yep. Uh, but science in many ways is going to, to bail many of us out. So it's
0: positive. You got to lead a facility. You're not playing today. I'm going yeah, to exactly. And I may suspend you. Like, yes, just, you, you gotta, you gotta crack down on it because the, as we can see, as we can tell with MLB, it can easily get out of hand.
1: Oh, quickly. Absolutely. And I think that's where to your point uh, with the amount of money that's on the line, uh, it's going to become very clear, very quick to the players. Uh, it's, you know, getting your two shots at the bar or your paycheck, which do you value more and, um, you know, especially when realistically there's a vaccine right around the corner. There's a good chance come January, February, you can go to the bar again safely and not worry about it. Just hmm. hold off, buy some alcohol, bring it to your house, rent some Videos to watch
0: the things you want to watch. The <laughs> public,
2: my God, they
0: got the means to definitely do that. You know, they can they can supply a, build a, your own a, bar, a wine <laughs> cellar by now. Like you guys are good. I mean, half uh, of these NFL players probably already have a bar in their house. They don't even need to go out. But oh, uh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I feel like that's a great point to um, cut off that half of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love these guys. All right, so before we dive into the second half of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Falcons offseason, how we're feeling about where this team's at. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
1: We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. You can call me DW. I am here with Evan Birchfield, Adnan Ikic, Eric Robinson. We're talking about the start of the 2020 NFL season. We just talked about COVID and how it's going to impact the season. Obviously, we all feel pretty optimistic that we're going to get some version of the season. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the Falcons, which is what we're here for. We're going to talk about where we feel this team is at, the overall feeling of how the combination of free agency and the draft has set this team up. And our biggest concerns or biggest optimisms for this team as we go into this, what is unarguably going to be one of the weirdest unpredictable, most unpredictable seasons in NFL history. Um, so Evan, I'm going to start with you um, on this next question. So looking at free agency, you know, the Falcons obviously picked up guys like mm-hmm. um Hayden Hurst, um, Todd Gurley. Uh, they let players like uh, Devondre Campbell, um, Austin Hooper walk uh, in the draft. You know they they had what a lot of people thought was a, a decent draft. Maybe not fantastic. Maybe not. You know, obviously not terrible. Um, how do you personally feel about the overall offseason for the Falcons? Do you think this is a better team in on paper than what they were in 2019?
2: Uh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, all of a sudden you have Dante Fowler who wants to play football and you've gotten rid of Vic Beasley who clearly does not. Um, and then you have, you know, Hooper's gone. Yeah. But I mean, Hayden Hurst, uh, maybe at first, a lot of people, including myself were a little bit like, what, like, why would we get rid of a second round pick for this guy? Um, just cause there was limited action. There was, you know, his age or whatever. Um, but I- I mean, so far, he's looked the part, um, you know, and he's got a ton of potential, um, athletic ability, all that good stuff. Um, so I'm not really worried about any sort of drop-off between Hooper, um, going from Hooper to Hurst. And also, you know, I always mention it every chance I can, but I'm a big believer in Ben Steele. I think he could make me into a tight end. Um, everywhere he's been, I, like, I don't know if it's coincidence, maybe people will catch on to it. Everywhere he's been, the tight ends have done well. And then when he leaves, the tight ends don't do well. Um, He shows up in Atlanta and then Hooper has his best career uh, season. I don't think that's a coincidence. And now he's the tight end coach because he was the offensive assistant. But, um, yeah, but to answer your question with the rest of them, uh, I I think our running back position, I mean, Todd Gurley's very interesting. I know he was probably signed more to put – you know, butts in the seats, which is irrelevant now for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I actually feel damn good about this team. Um, I, I'm trying to think, like, I, I mean, corner. Yeah, we we lost Font but they they tried to address it with taking a first round uh, corner and AJ Terrell. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's been so weird because it's like it's been hard to get excited about the team because you're worried about. Is there going to be a season? But, you know, overall, I, I am excited about what pieces they have put together on this team. I think there's a couple more they could have added. I know me and Eric have talked about, like, Clay Matthews. I would have loved to see him in Atlanta. Just, like, throw as much depth in there as you can. Right. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I, I am excited. And I, I thought the, the offseason went relatively well. All
1: right. Admon. Same question to you. The offseason, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about the roster now compared to 2019? Better or worse? The same?
3: Uh, I feel better about it just because you could sense uh, that there was a sense of urgency in the front office between both Dimitrov and Dan Quinn. They they know that if this team doesn't make the playoffs this season, that they're probably both going to be done in Atlanta. And that's just the reality of it. So they went out and made – made urgent moves they brought in Todd Gurley to replace Devontae Freeman and I've talked many times about how how much better Gurley was than Freeman just last season even with the arthritis now Gurley will need to have his uh carries in check he's not going to be a bell cow with 300 carries in the season that's just not who Todd Gurley is anymore But even last year, he was better than Devontae Freeman. I wrote an article about it, going very, very deep dive into their numbers, into their advanced uh, stats as well. Dante Fowler, I think, is an upgrade over Vic Beasley. And you brought in a bunch of these players who will be able to help you win now in the draft. Uh, A.J. Terrell is a player whom I'm thinking can be an impact player at the cornerback position from day one. Marlon Davidson is possibly the best defensive tackle that we've put next to Grady Jarrett since Don Terry Poe. Not that that's been a high bar to set <laughs> over the past couple of years. Um, this I, I, I'm excited about this team. And, you know, I'm more excited now than I was uh, at this point at the beginning of the off season. I like the moves that they've made. And, you know, even getting a even the move that they made for a guy like uh, uh, Darquez Dinard, you needed depth in the cornerback position. How many times in the past have the Falcons needed, desperately needed depth at a position of at an impact position? And then they decided, no, we're just going to stick with what we have. And uh, Thomas Dimitrov is going to keep that money for an emergency fund, which never comes about uh, and, you know, is never spent. is just like kept and pocketed. And, you know, I'm glad that uh, that money's being actually spent this season. And that in of itself is a move that tells me that there's a little bit of desperation. There's a little bit of fear, you know, in Thomas Dimitrov's heart this season. And I like mm. to see it.
1: <laughs> I like the way you put the. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, no, you're always good for a good soundbite. Um, Eric. Uh, your thoughts on this season and whether or not the roster has improved from last year.
0: Uh, Dramatically improved in my opinion, you know, um, I, if you go back to August, 2019, I had so many questions with that team. Um, You know, whether the defense was actually going to take that next step, whether the pass rush was going to be there, whether the offensive line was going to be able to put something together. Of course, questions, comes with with dirt cutter literally everywhere he goes Every everything he does Um, had questions (laughs) the running game. Now I still have a few questions here and there, but I feel quite confident that this is a team that's lying in the weeds and no one really talks about. And you, and we all know here that the Falcons play better when they're ignored, when no one really cares about them, when they're overlooked. Um, And I've, I've talked for a little while about, the team needing to change their philosophy. No more project guys. No more guys that you're going to need a year or two to, to truly, you know, see, you know, see them blossom. You need guys that are ready to play now. You need guys, when you draft guys, you need senior captains. You need guys that has that's been a starter for two or three years. You don't need guys that are changing positions for the very first time. Um, and that's what they did this entire offseason. They got veterans. They got guys that have won before. They got guys that are coming in and ready to play right now. With Gurley, with Denard, Dante Fowler. You know, you drafted a guy like A.J. Terrell, who's been a starter at Clemson for three years. Marlon Davidson has been a starter in Auburn for four years. Um, Matt Hennessy has been a starter at Temple for two or three seasons at least. You got guys that are ready to come in and ready to develop and ready to play right now. And to me, that is a clear – clear sign of a franchise of a coaching staff of a front office that doesn't have much time all right yeah. they need to win they need to win now they don't have time to draft a guy that's switching positions and they got to see what he's going to look like in three years hell they may not even get three games depending on how things go okay <laughs> they need to win now all right and i like it i like the approach i like the philosophy i think this is a this is a definite team that that People are sleeping on it. Is it a juggernaut? No. But I they can. I think right now, they can play with anybody in the league. Yeah. yeah. On, a, on a clean Sunday, the team is healthy. They can play with anybody. Yeah. Now, and I think- there's still one more move I would like to see them make and, and Evan brought it up, getting uh, Clay Matthews. I, I think bringing Clay Matthews And just let him
2: be the closer as your pass rusher. Yeah. Second half of games. I like it. Do you guys think um, them all pretty much just about every – actually, it might be all the moves that they – all the players they brought in, do you think it's a coincidence that they were all first-round picks, like all of them? No. Trading for Hurst, he was a first-round pick?
0: No, No, I think it's more of a coincidence that they're all guys that have a chip on their shoulder. They're all guys that are playing for something. You know, Gurley. Gurley's trying to play for a long-term deal. He's playing on a one-year deal. This guy that's he just won offensive play a year two years ago, and he's coming in on five million dollars. He's playing for something bigger. You know, Denard is playing for something bigger. He just had a three-year deal that he turned down in Jacksonville, and now he's playing for not for what? What is his salary this year? Nine hundred thousand dollars. He's looking for something. Yeah. Pay Fowler's trying to bank on a on a career season that a lot of people are say a lot of people are saying is a fluke.
3: Yeah, it's they are, they do have chips on their shoulders. I think the whole first-round pick thing, it's a fun thing to look at, but I think that did end up being a coincidence. Like, I don't think they were looking at players and they were like, oh, well, this is a former first-round pick. Yeah, Shredwell Treadwell's a former first-round pick. Like, you know, who cares what he did at Ole Miss? He's done nothing in the NFL the past four years. Right. And hopefully that changes. <laughs> hopefully that changes this year. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's probably on his last legs in the NFL – uh, you know, this could be his last chance just in Atlanta, like and it, it, yeah, just just like the front office staff, just like the coaching staff, it, it's like, well, when when a player is backed up against the wall, and he knows that this is his last chance, and the same with the coach as well, and the GM, they know that they have to, they have to go all out, they have to empty the tank, yep. or you know, or they'll end up having to wonder, left wondering later on in those sleepless nights, could I have done something different to <laughs> possibly, you know, save myself? This way you, you can at least go out with the peace of mind that you did everything you could. Yep. And, you know, if 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 it doesn't work out this season, then I think at the very least Dimitrov and Quinn will have that peace of mind that, all right, we did everything we could to, you know, preserve our roles, to save our jobs. It just didn't work out. And, you know, there's there's something honorable about that.
0: Even even drafting a guy like AJ Terrell. I mean, you, you got a guy that's his his college career is summed down to two quarters in a national championship game. So you draft a guy like that. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to capitalize on that. And he's trying to show people like, hey man, I'm better than that. Like they they could they changed everything about what about their entire philosophy this offseason. And I think it's gonna pay off.
1: Yeah, I like it. Um, All right, Uh, two last questions before we wrap up this podcast, our returning podcast for the 2020 season. Um, Eric, I'll start with you on this one. What is your biggest concern about this team, this roster, the coaches going into this season? Burt Cutter. (laughs) Oh, there was was like no hesitation on that answer.
0: (laughs) Care to elaborate? I don't get it. I don't get it with this guy. I don't get why he's so well respected around the league because he is. I don't. I don't understand. I think he is a basic play caller. I think he's. Uh, he's a. Play, he's a guy that doesn't truly call plays to to fit the talent of the that he has on the field. I, I think this guy is just. He doesn't take advantage of what he has, and I think he can be the difference between the team going ten and six or eleven and five and them going 7-9 again and and missing out. I think he can be the difference. Yeah, He's the biggest question mark going into the season.
1: All right. Um, Adman, same question. Your biggest concern going into 2020? Same answer. (laughs) Dirt cutter.
3: (laughs) Dirt cutter and the cookie cutter offense uh, this season, as I like to call it. Because, yeah, yeah, it was – yeah, You know, just I have full confidence in our defensive coaches this season. Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbricht deserve that. Uh, they did a fantastic job in the second half of the season. And, you know, I have high hopes for Raheem Morris to possibly even, you know, find his way into a head coaching role uh, after this season if the defense, you know, shows out. Um, it's it's that offensive play calling. Last season, we just saw it take a step back. We saw yeah. We saw the offense just – we saw Cutter pound his head against the wall over and over again. Literally and figuratively, he was pounding the running back <laughs> against the wall on first and 10 up the middle every single time. You know, there's more talent this year. I'm hopeful about the offensive line. Um, if, if my answer wasn't Dirk Cutter, then it would be questions about uh, the young offensive line if they can take that next step and yeah, you know, I have full confidence in Chris Lindstrom, I'm talking more about uh, guys like James Carpenter at left guard, even Caleb McGarry at right tackle. We don't know. We need the offensive line to take that next step for this offense to be able to reach its full potential, and even if that offensive line takes that next step, we still don't know how how much the ceiling will be capped by Dirk Cutter's play calling because this isn't Kyle Shanahan calling the plays anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a hard time disagreeing with you guys. Uh Evan, your thoughts, your biggest concern heading into the season?
2: Uh I think, I mean, I think for everybody it's probably dirt cutter, but just to be different, um <laughs> I'm going <laughs> that's for me too, but to be different, I'm gonna say special teams just because I think it's we for at least like a decade it feels like or more. Um we've been kinda comfortable with, you know, our kicking and punting and stuff. Um, you know, all of a sudden now we have You know, they got rid of Ryan Allen earlier in the week. Um, They brought him back, and then they got rid of him. And he was a veteran, you know, Super Bowl champion punter um, for – and they're pretty much handing the job as of this recording to Sterling Poffrechter, who was their seventh-round pick um, in the 2020 draft. And then at kicking, they said they were going to bring in competition for Coup. I thought they perhaps learned their lesson from 2019 where – they handed Tavecchio the job after he went. Uh, he kicked 100, percent five for five in 2018. Handed him the job, and he struggled. Um, obviously, Koo, you know, had more kicks last year and looked well. But that 50 plus, he was one for one, and it was barely a one. It like oh, hit the pole and winked in. Yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> and then since then, they didn't give him another shot because it seemed like they just didn't have the confidence or didn't want to break any sort of confidence in him um, that they probably felt they did with Tavecchio during the preseason. So I'm a little more interested in that um, just to choose a different answer because, I mean, there is – it's just something like it's – special teams is so unpopular that nobody cares. But it is something, I mean, when you're talking about field position and, hey, if we're going down to the wire here, Matt Ryan gets us in position and Tavecchio has to make a 55-yarder, with Matt Bryant, you know – we used to sleep on it, and it's like ah, it's it's automatic. With Tavecchio, I mean, you're, all of a sudden, I mean, that fifty yard—it was a fifty-yarder that Koo um, doinked in last year, and it's like, do you feel as comfortable anymore? You know,
0: so let's let's hope we don't we don't get to that point. Let's hope Dirt Cutter is able to, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to help it. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's just. But I mean, in that sort of situation, like wouldn't you guys be – I mean, I'd be, like, nervous as hell. If it's, like, a 55-yarder or something and there's, like, two seconds left, you got to run him out there or bring Sterling out, you know, because I know he he kicked a long one in college. But it's, like, those situations are not popular to think about. But, I mean, we're talking about the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I got to be honest with you, man. With this type – with this season, this particular season, this special season that we have upon us – with the circumstances that they have, with the type of guys that they have on that roster, i w- i will be I would be coaching as if there's no tomorrow. Yeah, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm you're gonna see an increase in fourth down, uh, fourth down tries for me. I mean, I, you got you got arguably the best wide receiver doing in the league. You got a guy that scored forty something downs the past three years, including twelve rushing downs last year. Tied for fifth in the league. I don't. If it's fourth and two, fourth and three, my. And we all know that his job is on the line. He's on a hot seat. I'm not going for 55-yard field goals. I got Julio. I got Gurley. Yep. Got Ridley. Let's go. I mean, it, that's that's just my philosophy. Being what they have and where they are and where they need to get to. This is not the the year to be coaching tentative right now. To be honest with you.
1: Excellent point. Um, Adnan, your biggest optimism, 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 your biggest optimism for the Falcons going into 2020?
3: Uh, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, 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 <laughs> I'm optimistic. Uh, I think that we have the best quarterback in the division going into 2020. He's not the biggest name. Uh, the 40-year-olds uh, over-the-hill quarterbacks in New Orleans and Tampa Bay are the bigger names, and they'll get more of the media love. But just having the, uh, the best player at the most important position in all of sports is a huge thing. Um, I think we, you have the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think that's, that's just a general consensus. And the defense should take a step forward. We saw it in the second half of the season last year. Uh, The defense was absolutely putrid in the first half of the season. And to be honest, I still don't know how Dan Quinn survived past that bye week, but he did. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the defense should be able to hit the ground running a little bit this season. So, you know, the team chemistry is there. And what I'm most optimistic about is that extra wild card spot this season, which means that there is a much higher chance at uh, getting into the playoffs this season than there are would have been normally and just an example of that would have been that 2015 season where the Falcons at eight and eight would have gotten that final wild card spot had that been a thing back during that season I think we all remember that collapse after like five and zero, oh, and it ended up being an eight and eight mediocre year but uh I think we'll see the Falcons in the playoffs this year and that's well past due the second
0: worst collapse in the Dan Quinn era. I don't think we need to talk about the first one. Yeah,
1: we're not touching that. Let's move on. Evan. <laughs> <We
2: almost escaped.
0: laughs>
1: Evan, your biggest optimism.
2: Um, I think Calvin Ridley. Like, I'm just Ooh. continuously getting excited. Like, the, like I, everything you're hearing this offseason has been nothing but positive about him. Um I mean, even on a national level, like if you play fantasy football, everyone's talking about Calvin Ridley and his potential. He's even – I like his, his kind of confidence that he's saying he wants to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, I Do what? He looks bigger. He looks bigger. I actually saw um, they posted uh, the training camp photos of him working out. I'm like, damn, he's on that Julio diet where his skin is just – <laughs> you know, he's like ripped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he look, He is getting to be like Julio. And it's like, could you imagine if he does, you know, become what we all hope he's going to be, um, you know, that next top elite receiver? If we go from Roddy White handing off to Julio to Julio handing off to Calvin Ridley, it'd just be incredible. But, I mean, for me, it's, it, it is the offense. The offense on paper, I think any um, offensive coordinator who's worth a damn should be able to succeed with that offense. But, so... I'll stay with optimistic. I won't go back to.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're staying with optimistic. <laughs> Adnan, uh, your biggest optimism heading into the season?
3: Um, I already won, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Eric's turn. <laughs> Do you have another one? Um, uh, no,
1: I'm sorry. That was the vodka. Asking the question. No, 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 no.
3: no. I'll I'll steal Eric's as well. (laughs) No, no,
1: no, no. Eric, 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 Erica. Close us out on this question because apparently I need to go to bed. (laughs) Your biggest optimism heading into this season.
0: This is a hungry team, and I and I kind of mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago. This is a to me all the way around from top to bottom, offense, defense, coaching staff. This is a hungry team. This is a team that has a lot to prove. This is a team that has. They don't have a ton of personality in the locker room still, but it's still a team that's not complacent. They got rid of the complacency when 44 left the locker room. They got rid of that toxic toxic attitude. Um, And they brought in guys that want to prove themselves. They want to be good. They want to take the next step. They want to prove people wrong. They don't want to just come in and collect a paycheck, and then when training camp starts, they want to sit at home and not tell their coach that they don't want to come to training camp. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still talking about Vic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, optimism. Yeah, the hunger. <laughs> all the way around, you know. And, and like I mentioned earlier, man, this is a team, if, if you look at it from top to bottom, they're, they, they're all playing for something. You know, they're, they're, a lot of futures are on the line in this locker room. And if you know football well enough, that's when you get some of your best play. When you know that tomorrow may be your last day in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. All right, guys. Um, Obviously uh, my memory is beginning to slip as the uh, pandemic and alcohol are mixing together to cause a disruption in in my ability to think clearly so we're going to wrap up this podcast for the day I'm corona tipsy that's exactly
0: right oh god
1: (laughs) what's the best thing for that water Oh, the only thing that can fix this is uh, sleep and or more alcohol Um, All right, so let's go around the horn real quick you guys tell our listeners where I can find you and what you've got going on Evan let's start with you
2: You can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. And um, I don't know what I have going on, but just go to thefalcolic.com and read all our stuff.
1: (laughs) I love it. Um, Adnan, fill us in.
3: Um, You can find me if you have any words of praise for me or anything, you can find me on Twitter at say, which way. And if you have any words of criticism for me, you can find me at the Falcoholic on Twitter. (laughs) So uh, just file your complaints to the Falcoholic. Um, As for stuff that I've going on, I have a a series detailing my uh, five most important defensive players going into 2020. I'm in the middle of that. I finished my offensive players one, that's a, a weekly countdown. So if you hate that, just uh, uh, direct your uh, direct your complaints to at the falcoholic <laughs> on Twitter.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it, Eric. Round this out before we all completely
0: lose it. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Uh, just had a column release today. Uh, as far as uh, highlighting a few things to to monitor during the training camp. And it's going to be a pretty expanded training camp for the Falcons this year. So uh, take a look at that. Just check out the Falcoholic site as a whole. Um, and if you try to catch me on Twitter, man, just, you know, I, I, there's going to be several tweets of me, you know, telling you to wear your mask because you better wear a damn mask because my football is <laughs> being affected because of it. So wear a damn mask or I will come find you. Okay
1: there it is Eric is coming <laughs> for you guys uh, as for me you can find me at FalcoholicDW um, Gina couldn't make it today you can find her at Gina Thomas uh, on Twitter and of course the updates on this podcast at our special Twitter handle at FalcoholicPod P-O-D uh, so for Evan Birchfield Eric Robinson and Adnan Ikic, this is David Walker we'll be bringing you some additional podcasts in the coming days uh, as we continue to cover this very weird and very uh, disruptive 2020 NFL season. Uh, So stay tuned to the fact We'll provide all those updates as we get them. Uh, So thanks guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.